Good evening, everybody. How you doing? This is another segment of I Am Legend with your host, Tim Newkirk. This is a podcast dealing with real Buffalo legends, real Buffalo kids. On this segment, uh, we're going to be talking a lot about where we came from and the name of the streets and what the game called the game in the town of Buffalo. You know, a lot of times you hear people say uh, they're real, they're real Buffalo kids, but then you know you hear a little bit about their story and what made them a Buffalo kid. But it's a lot of different reasons, which you know I I like to contest. You know, you have Buffalo kids and then you have real Buffalo kids. But when you get down to the history of Buffalo, the town, and the game that we we all participated in, those that played in the game. You have to have real legends to come to the forefront. So what I had to do was go out and uh, bring out the real legends to, you know, to bring out the true stories of Buffalo history, the bloodline, and where we come from as a whole and how we got to where we at now. A lot of people that you see and you hear, you know, you, you think of them now in the perspective place that they're in, but not knowing that at some point in time they were responsible for what we call the game. You know, the game don't change but the players do. And it's okay because, you know, the game don't know, they're never supposed to really change, but there should be a point in your life where you get out the way and let somebody else um, take it from there. And that's where we find ourselves struggling as, um, as, as, as legends because how do you let the game go and how do you bow out gracefully? You know, there's a segment uh, where I once watched a, a, a documentary and the guy said on the documentary, I had to have an end game. You know, I had to have an end game. The game was uh, glorified to a high level, but at the same time, if you're not preparing for the end game, then you, you, you're not doing a due diligence to the game because it should never be the same players in the game all the time. Even coaches retire or move on, you know, even owners. You know, they move on and they leave a legacy behind. So, you know, being a real Buffalo kid, and being a legend in the city of Buffalo and in the surrounding areas. Because a lot of people that's going to come on this segment, it's not going to just be Buffalonians alone, but they have some type of history in Buffalo or came through way of Buffalo, and they took their story and they took their show on the road. And that's this is who I have today. I have the privilege of having somebody who came in game, was truly born in game, and um, excelled on a higher level, which probably – is the reason why we're able to go comfortably out of the state and go to certain cities and certain states and get recognized for what we claim to do, what we put it down to do, whether it's on um, any kind of level, good or bad, because your name follows you wherever you go. And when you make a positive change in your life, they always want to remember the story of how you came, who you are, and um, take their hat off or salute you as a general. So I have uh, today on this podcast a very special person who's definitely an innovator and a motivator and uh, definitely an originator, not a duplicator of what we call the game. So, you know, this is a raw, uncut segment. We give it to you straight off the cuff, you know, no cut on it, as you already seen in the first segment with uh, Pastor Giles, and he told his story. He had led up to this brother, this uh, this gentleman, you know, this, this man, this mentor to a lot of us young brothers and a lot of his friends. He turned them out, you know, so we come up in an era of being turned out and being signed in. So without no further ado, I was signed in by this brother and I was approved by this brother like they do campaigns because he uh, strategically examined me from head to toe and uh, approved my, my, 
my introduction to what we call and what we now consider the game. No other than Pastor Anthony Brown. Uh, we all know him for being the infamous downtown Tony Brown. But now he is Pastor Brown. But we're going to get into that later, how he became Pastor Brown. But we're going to talk about the downtown version of Tony Brown. How you doing, my brother? Uh, first of all, I thank you for having me here um, to be able to enlighten our brothers and sisters as to what we do, uh, how we got to this point, how uh, things transpired over the last 40 years. And, that, and you brought out one thing, that's truth. Truth must come out because the game, we always said the game was to be sold, never to be told. And that, that slogan has left us. Anybody can recognize or enter the game now. And that's why it's so messed up. But it's a pleasure to be here and an honor for you to have me here. And uh, I just thank you for the opportunity to be able to disclose some things from probably 1974 up until this present day. That's awesome. So my first question is going to be a little intense because it's going to be raw and it's going to come straight out from the childhood of Tony Brown, you know, downtown. <laughs> you know, uh, when you get in certain areas of Buffalo, you know, it was always known to say a word. You say a name and the person that respond. You know, and if they didn't say nothing, that means they didn't know nothing. Mm -hmm. But if you went downtown and you went down the way, which we always call down down the way and uptown, you know, down the way and uptown, they say it's always a connection because originally downtown was a was a part of the movement that went uptown. Mm -hmm. It just you know so happened that downtown was so fresh and so hot that uh you know you went uptown to clear your head or some financial increase came in your life where your family moved uptown. And that was a privilege to be uptown, but really, for us as, uh, as as those that was in the game, downtown was a gold mine. So, being a younger Tony Brown, downtown, what do you think of when it comes down to the game, the town? Give us an introduction of what the town was like back then and how you got turned out. Well, the town was the town was plentiful. The game was plentiful. Uh, I was doing an 18 month stint in industry uh, for a bank robbery. And um, uh, after nine to 10 months, they was able to allow me a furlough. And I came to the furlough and as I alluded to before, there was a Sean mm -hmm. Khan concert uh, that was in, in attendance. At, uh, we were in attendance at the time. And lo and behold, I was with my older brother, Joe, and I had to use the restroom. I go to the bathroom. And this brother with a powder blue suit, I'll never forget, he had a powder blue suit with a big afro. And this other brother was what they call shaking the red card, playing three card molly. And I guess they thought I was green. Truthfully, I was, but I just had common sense. I can think real quick. And they put the cards down, all that. I bet $20, turned to act like I was going to turn up one, turned up the right. So that's my $40. And that brother in that light blue suit have to be a friend from 1975 all the way to his calling home of the Lord, which is earlier, like last year. And that's no other than the infamous legendary Neil Dobbins. Amen. And so me and Neil got to talking, and I told him I had a few more months to go. He said, man, look me up, yada, yada, yada. And we looked him up. and But before I went back, he showed me the deck of cards. <laughs> and I, like I told you, I'm not in the exposure business. Right. So I learned something to do with this deck of cards he showed me. And I went back to industry, and I just practiced that for the next seven or eight months. You know, and when I came home, 
actually, in industry, I had a scholarship. I played basketball. I had a scholarship to St. Joe's High School. Wow. Yeah, where only the black person went there was Jimmy Witherspoon. I don't know if you're familiar with Jimmy Witherspoon. But he played ball at St. Joe's, and I had the transcription and everything. Because in industry, we had a football, a basketball team, and we used to play all the schools from Rochester. And, you know, I couldn't do my thing back then. I was in shape, and I was able to play. And I got that scholarship. But Neil <laughs> gave me another scholarship. <laughs> what was that? What was that? That scholarship, scholarship was the School of Hard Knocks. Oh. And it was taking it to the block. Okay. And I know that with transcript from St. Jones, I would have been able to make it, probably went to college, played a few games somewhere, and done some other things. And maybe went to the NBA and NFL as I have a three-sport player. But nevertheless, the School of Hard Knocks got me. Right. And I knew what to do and how to do it. So at 15, when I came home from industry, I'm raw and uncut. You know, I still went to East High School at my mother's request. But man, after school or in school, it became on and popping. <laughs> when you say on and popping, you just, what, you were shaking and baking? I mean, we taking care of our business, and I'm fascinated by this game, and I'm recognizing new players, older players, like the brothers with me, Clifford Brown, him and Country Cal. Uh, they come out of, out of Cassie and Barker and right. them crew. Right. And we had uh, Slow Boobie <laughs> right. and Right, right. And we gelled that thing together, man. And so Clifford and all of us would go downtown and shaking the red car, three car molly, having great success with it. You know, I mean, we, they stayed sharp from head to toe. At 15, 16, we wore diamonds and, and, and things of that nature, you know, jewelry. And, and today's game, if I can just go up real quick, it's not so much they want that, man. I think they want more of the reputation in the game. So when you say, when you know, we know what um, uh, uh, shaking the red card is. Well, the shaking the red card and, and, and running game is nothing unless you got a mark. Now, you was able to spot out a mark, or did you always just know that I'm just going to throw my hand out there? Because, you know, you don't – I always was taught, don't play cards if you can't cheat. Don't play – don't gamble if you can't cheat. And I was taught by a lot of scholars, such as yourself, if it ain't no cheating and gambling, why gamble? Uh, uh, what is his name? Um looking dead at his face, but I'll tell you the statement. And I'll come back with his name a little later. Uh, 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 Dag almost had it. But nevertheless, his statement was, anything worth having is worth cheating for. <laughs> wow. wow. Once I give you the name, you'll understand how to equate that. Right. You know, and, and, and again, I don't want to expose too much. Right. You know, I'm done with the game, but I respect the game. You respect the game. And I respect people that's in the game, but I'm talking about in the real game. The real game. And that's I'm why, about this shooting and right. killing stuff. And that's, that's why, I, and that's what this segment, that's what this show and this podcast Excuse is about. W.C. Fields. W.C. Fields. Yes. That was his word. That's his word. His word. That's right. That's right. Worth cheating for. That's right. And, and, and believe it or not, that's probably what makes you more legend than anybody who have been in the game at an early spark of the game because you got the blueprint to how the game was manifested, how it was originated, and how it was brought up with principles. What I believe was happening now is the principles have been taken out the game mm-hmm. because when you respect the mark, 
and you never left a man dead broke. You know, it was oh, certain yes, morals. Oh, yes, we did. You know, or if you broke him, you basically left him with his integrity. Yeah. You know, integrity. You, yeah, integrity mm-hmm. goes with all of that because, yeah. you know, even in the dope game, you mm-hmm. know, there was times when somebody would get smoked all the way out. Mm-hmm. But you just don't, you don't put the hammer on them because, believe it or not, that same person can come up no walking question. down the street. So you want to have some form of integrity. And mm-hmm. even in a gangsterism, you know, there was a gentleman in a gangster. Mm-hmm. And there was rules and regulations. Oh, okay, we don't, we, ain't, we don't kill, we ain't shooting kids. Mm-hmm. We don't shoot women. There were certain morals in mm-hmm. everything, even with our movies that we watch. There was some code of ethics. So, you know, you coming up in those times during the 70s and even coming out as an athlete, mm-hmm. still had the principles of winning. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and teammanship, mm-hmm. you know, what you said with the crew, those guys are still go- those guys are still legendary. Absolutely, and, uh, and they will be on the show. Those that are still alive, and those that are not, rest in peace. Somebody from the family or the crew will speak on their behalf. Mm-hmm. But just getting into the concept of how the town was structured and how plentiful the money was, and uh, how the temptation to stay in game, mm-hmm. because what we say now is. We say uh, again, you know, dead in play. Mm-hmm. So to stay in the game was the was the was the morals of uh, of, of executing our assignment. It was every morning, you know, every day, mm-hmm. you know, you trying to stay in game. Mm-hmm. You know, how did that how did that go with the uh, the city and the terrain of the area in which you lived in? Was it difficult to stay in game all the time, or did you find yourself stressing about you know it got to be a better way or? At the time, just going with that 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 concept because that's what we're trying to bring out the truth about how the game and what mm-hmm. the game doing how it pulls you. Well, what happens, uh, Pastor, is this: some people that's in the game or have been in the game come from very good backgrounds, family backgrounds, families that had principles, okay, families that had wisdom and uh, families that had everything that they needed. So we had a, a thing that was built in us. From the beginning. So now when we come to the thing called game, which we learned, we was able to kind of perfect that thing. Right. Because we already had principles. We understood what to do and what not to do. Okay. So and as far as the terrain is concerned, uh, the city of Buffalo is uh, uh, a real big, whatever you call it, ready to get, you know, uh, effed. And, and so um, <laughs> that's what we done. We bar none. Blind, right. crippled, or crazy. <laughs> from 8 to 80, and that's the true game. But the reason why, because you're not hurting nobody. Right. Physically, you're not hurting them. You're messing them up mentally. But we have to understand something. The only reason that we're able to beat a mark is because the mark has largely in his or her heart. They want something for nothing anyway. So we're going to give them what they want. Right. They can't really walk away mad. But the fact of the matter is everybody got to live to see another day. That's right. You know, I can recall one time when me and Baltimore Slim, Pete, rest in peace, we were all just finished uh, knocking somebody off maybe a couple months ago. It was cold. There's a bunch of snow. And we're walking down uh, uh, Ferry, I think, Utica, at 118 Utica. That's the path, but it's across the street. And this brother used to work at Todd Shoe Stores, and he got me and Pete in his, his store and um, locked the door. So we said, what's going on? You know, brother, what we do? You know, he's man, you mother was going to give me my money tonight. Y'all ain't leaving. He brought a big 45. Y'all ain't leaving here. I'm looking at Pete and Pete looking at me. So Pete jumps up. 
and say, man, if you're going to shoot, shoot. Right. Because we got people on a UPS truck. And sometimes they make mistakes, brother. But we'll work it out. Man, rocked him right back to sleep and we walked out of that jump. But no harm, no foul. No harm, no foul. So we saw Gene again, may have been a year or two later. Right. Individual place. He's laughing. Right. Your boy, y'all the best that ever did it. And those are those words. So, so now the terrain, again, we didn't limit the buffalo. Once we found about Toronto, we set up camp in Toronto, and me and our buddy again, rest in peace, brother, me and him lived at 500 Kingston Road for about three or four years, and and everybody was coming up, you know. And then when we got finished, what we were doing, that just, just trying to digress and get to some points, but we set the town on fire. We would have narcotics in our tires as we cross the border. Right. There's different things that we've done, but we always play from the shoulders up. But my point is Toronto was so plentiful and so beautiful. I'm talking about from from uh, Fort Erie all the way to Montreal, Quebec. Wow. Plentiful. And I'll tell you, my brother, brothers Clifford and Whoopi and Holiday, rest in peace, they really stuck it to them. They right. stuck it to them like they had a 30-inch you know, dildo or something. <laughs> they stuck it to them for real. I mean, we're being real, right? Right, this is 100%. This 100. They were able to amass even that that we didn't. Right. And we were plentiful and took care of our business, but this is how great it was. And here's the thing that they were able to do that too, because they didn't have no people running around their mouth hating. Right. You see, right. they were able to take care of their business, go in the house at a reasonable hour, do what they're doing, and everybody's mindset was on point. So from Toronto, this thing just went worldwide. Right. I mean, some of us brothers have been all across the country. All now, across the country. Again, he, it's not probably a state he ain't been to. Right. You know, because he make it do what it do. Make it do what it do. You know, and uh, that's the reality of the game. That's what we talk about. We talk about players. Right. We're not talking about people using the word and being the gangster. We're right. not talking about using the word player and being the killer. Right. Those are two separate entities. Even when we were coming up, you had the players, you had hustlers, you had gangsters, you had dope boys. So there was about seven or eight different people, but everybody remained in their lane. Right. And everybody respected. The gangster may know that you got thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars and he ain't gonna touch you. Right. Because of the respect level. Right. Okay? So those things have been thrown off out the window as you alluded to. Everything like that has been broke. They throw all caution to the wind. Where nowadays anything goes, right. and this where this problem lies today, with the killing of each other, the killer of our children, because you have to realize the baby's having babies, right? So they're not really a cuss. If I'm 15 or 14, had a baby 28, my baby 14, right? They puff together or whatever they do. So the parents don't have an outlet themselves. So as Pastor Giles alluded to in a meeting earlier. The reason, part of the reason why the children are where they are because they don't get nothing at home. Right. But Master Farrakhan gave some words that I'll never forget and I'll repeat them somewhat often. A pimp is a pimp because he hadn't been shown another way. That's true. A hustler is a hustler because he, he hadn't been, been shown, shown another, another way. way. That's true. The sister that's out there selling her body, she's doing it because she hasn't been shown another way. Right. So that only comes on us. We can do the prayer visuals, and that is wonderful to bring all of them together. But in my sickness and in my spirit, as of last last year or so, 
God began to reveal to me, open the doors of the church at right. the at the uh, re, at the um, what do you call it? The re, uh, vigils. The vigil. Right. Because now you got 70, 80 people out here, and I know some of them may be coming under emotionalism, but they'll come and get a life to the Lord, even having no knowledge. But that's where it comes in that we begin to stay in contact with these brothers and sisters. We can't do this and just, you know, push it to the side. We have to stay in contact. We have to stay visual and be there for these brothers and don't hold them up in a mess. When they wrong, they wrong. You know, because that's what it was with us. Right. Uh, and so, so, so to let you ask some more questions, um, it's just a difference when you cut from a certain bark of the tree. Even your parents don't agree with it, but right. they have a level of respect for you. Right. That you're not robbing, stealing, cheating. I ain't going to say cheating. Robbing, stealing, and killing. Right. As long as you're not doing that, they really much, okay. Society, yeah. society even deals with you different. I mean, and even being um, in, in game for, for years, I realized when I would go to court, you know, the judge would look at me different. Mm-hmm. When I had representation and I stood strong about what I what it is that I had been accused of, you know, I recognized. I remember having a, I remember having uh, Greenman as an attorney, mm-hmm. and Greenman was one of the most expensive lawyers at the time. He he didn't take no stuff. You couldn't come in his mm-hmm. office with no sweatsuits, no baggy jeans, and he'd tell you right off the rip. He'd say, "Listen, you, these are your charges. This is what they're charging you for. Mm-hmm. This is what they they believe that they have on you. You know, this is this is the the, the time they're trying to offer you." Mm-hmm. And I remember being young and being in game, and I remember you know my mindset because I had went back and resorted back to the kid mindset mm-hmm. because I was being what. I was being accused of and being charged. That was a place I didn't feel comfortable in. Mm-hmm. So in my absence of myself and my my, my my leadership, now I'm the baby again. Now mm-hmm. I'm jumped into the teenager who I really am. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just a kid raising, I'm the kid leading grown men mm-hmm. because of the, the game. You know, the game puts you in mm-hmm. perspective where they respect and honor whoever in that authority. That was different then than it is now because there's no leadership now. There's no moral top players that can decide yes or no or yay or nay or Mm -hmm. hold off. So I remember being in the position where now I want to go back and I want to, I want to become the kid that I am. And I remember him saying to me before we go to uh, court, he said, listen, stop coming to my office telling me what they say or what you didn't do. Mm -hmm. He said, I know you're a criminal. You know you're a criminal. Mm -hmm. He said, you applaud yourself because of the way what you're driving. It shows what you are because of what they charge you for. He says, stand up and be a stand-up man and be a stand-up person. The judge and the jury needs to see what it is that's really going on. It's just about me proving today that you're innocent. Mm-hmm. It ain't about you being innocent for the rest of your life or being innocent on this and this and that. We all do something wrong. It's just proving the consequences of your actions on this behalf. And that's what the law is, is put out on the table to show why should you go to jail today behind, mm-hmm. behind what you did on paper? And uh, he said, but as far as coming here telling me and giving me the whining story, he said, because when you back around your crew and you in your element, you got bragging rights. Mm-hmm. And that made me think about it. He said, because I'm, you know, I'm not doing this for free. So every bit of this system, every part of this game cost on every level. Even us as attorneys have to get paid. So when I, when I, when I, when I went to court about it, and I came out, I had a different outlook on how I perceive myself and how I, how I handle my business. And I began to walk through my, my, my adulthood knowing I have authority. 
over my actions mm-hmm. and over the consequences. Mm-hmm. I have the right to understand these are the consequences. So anything worth having is worth working for. So even in my wrong, I'm learning how to work for my wrong. I'm mm-hmm. learning how, but I'm also learning how loss prevention. You know, I'm learning how to take losses. I'm learning how to deal with with a, 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 a discretions. I'm learning how to deal with a set off and setbacks. So it taught me how to become more invested in the rights and wrongs of mm-hmm. my life. Mm-hmm. No matter how much money I made, no matter how much I was being uh, uh, rewarded for the due diligence of what I was doing, but I also always had in the back of my head the consequences. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and men like you and, and, and brothers that came up before me, that was a father figure mentality because you never put me in a perspective of doing this, it was something that I seen that at some point in time you had no control over because look what's happening. I'm next. Mm-hmm. You know, I never seen you come into town and expose anything to all of us. It was something that we found out later on as we did more research and got more involved in your business. You know, mm-hmm. we had access to your mom. Let her rest in peace. We had access to your house. Mm-hmm. So we were fine. You know, why are you dressing up? Why are you wearing new clothes? And how you I never forget you had a, a canary yellow Eldorado. Mm-hmm. And you came in town and and you had the pink slip in your top pocket of your your your, your dress suit. And we was like, let us sit in. And we was jumping in and you was at, it was a Sunday, probably most likely on a Sunday, because you would come in, make sure you'd be there on a Sunday or whatever, chill out for a few days. And I think it was you and Calvin Burr. And I remember we was jumping in and out the Cadillac, mm-hmm. slamming the door. And, and and we were so fascinated because that was the first time we seen a long car like that with the emblems on it. But you know, that kind of stuff is, you know, definitely it paid a, a big part in our community as far as checks and balances. Mm-hmm. What I see now and what I hear now in the community, I don't hear checks and balances. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't see checks and balances. I don't see reprimanding mm-hmm. you know, the youth for, oh, yo, you know, you can't do that. You shouldn't be doing that. Mm-hmm. But when I was coming up, it was passed down. You heard it going in the store. You heard it when you walked past Miss Such and Such's house. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, we didn't want to expose what we was doing. We wanted to do it with a with a sense of having a, a double life. But now you don't see nobody exposing to that kind of culture having a double life. It's just is they all or nothing. How you feel about that? It's a problem. It's a problem that we somewhat created, you know, uh even those before game has been in this world since the origination of man. It just found a way to excel to different groups, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, and so on and so forth. And somewhere down the line, leadership had got misconstrued. You know, uh, uh, instead of trying to find a way or doing this for a means of coming out of the ghetto, we just found a way to run the ghetto. Right. But to run the ghetto, it caused a lot of catastrophe and still not running it. Right. You see, so all these lost lives of our young brothers and our young sisters are inexcusable on us. Right. You know, we now we supposed to be putting a little more effort and 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 continuity together, if you will, to make sure that if I got a brother seventeen and he talking about changing his life, he's looking to do what's right. I need to have a school to get him back into, which we have in place. But I need to also have him the most important thing is a job. Right. So what happens if you got a young man going to school, then he comes home from there, do his homework, and he goes to work. 
you too tired to do anything else. Right. And that's what we have to do. We talked about opening up some more recreation centers in the community. So these are things that we have to look towards. But if I may go back, I remember Country Calvin uh, uh, first meeting him, and I was playing some 50 uh, with this brother that, this is Chuck, in Chuck, that's what we used to call him, but I won't use the word. And he was beating me to death, man. We played 50 from the top of the key. And Randy, or Cadillac Booby brother, no Randy, comes with Country County. Come on the basketball court. Now, I know Randy, but I know this other little skinny, bony <laughs> kid. So I done got ice, meaning I done got broke. And somebody said, Randy said, keep playing. So I don't even say who fade me. I just go to playing. And I end up beating him, to make a long story short. But I jumped on the bus with these two brothers. Calvin had to be 13, 14 years old, had money this long, had wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And he became a part of our culture. And I became a part of their culture. You know, and then, like I said, him and Clifford used to run in and out of town and take care of the women that they were running, the things that they were doing. So it just became uh, uh, giants, if you will, and we don't want to brag about it, but let me be real. It was something to brag about. Right, right. It was something to say, I'm top flight. Right, top flight. Coast to coast. Yeah, yeah. That was because that was our culture. You legend. The transition, <laughs> there, we legend. So the transition will come in a minute. But however, we had to do what we had to do. And we've done it right. I don't believe, I can say me, Clifford, probably Holiday, Whoopi, Nate Barker. Now, I can honestly say this. I don't believe we had 20 fights amongst us. I'm not talking wow. about each other. I'm talking about in the whole community. In the whole community. I don't believe we had 20 fights in the history of our lives. We're not gangsters. Right. We play from the shoulders from up. From the shoulders up. We ain't soft. Right. We ain't gangsters. That, that's not what we do. Right. Somebody else does that. But we became so close and so enamored in the game that people begin to watch us and begin to want to emulate us, to be like, I don't yeah. want to be like Mike, Emulate. I want to be like Tony, yes. I want to be yes. like Booby, I want to be like Cassie, I want to be like Clifford, yes. I want to be like Calvin, I want to be like Barker. They didn't want Mike. Right. Mike didn't right. have nothing to offer them. <laughs> right, right, and they couldn't touch him. Right. They couldn't relate to him because exactly. he wasn't close enough to be related to. So. Right, and so the game again has got so out of place. After doing that time in industry, came home, settled in, done all this stuff. So now I'm in the game, and I realized this when I touched that cocaine. Right. That was my downfall. I'm now we're getting there. I'm taking the sniff. Right. Because it's my downfall because it's not what I do. I it's don't not sell what you do. No. You're not dope sellers. Right. You know what I'm saying? So when we step into another element, now you're subjected to anything out there. And you stepped into an element that you don't really know about because you ain't done your homework. Right. As I alluded to, I practice in every right. day and every night and in my craft. Right. With this dope thing. Nah, you out I your league. Get this and bag this up and put this on. Oh, I know how to do that. Yada, yada, yada. Now you out but your league. I'm out my element. I'm out my league. Yeah. So, so now what happens is I get to smoking it. Right. You know, I never forget this brother was at my house. I won't mention his name, but I can mention Neil and Buddy's name. We're all at my house with this other brother. And he the one sitting in my house making cocaine and crafting it up and smoking. We looking at him, rub the table, run through my house, and we laughing. But me and my inquisitive mind, how does this work? How did he do that? 
Right. So I stole a piece that he cooked, which was mine anyway. <laughs> right. But I'm stealing from myself, but it's really his because I don't know about it. So they finally leave. He keep asking for that little piece. So I put him off some more powder here, man. Go shake that up somewhere else. Right. They leave. I, I get the car, man, and go to that little place on Bailey and Delaware. It used to be a smoke shop. And we used to get all the cut and the pipes and everything from there. I went in that place, man, and give me such and such amount of screens, such and such this and such and such that. Go to the liquor store, get some 151. And I emulated that thing. And, brother, I took a hit of that stuff. I live on Pittsburgh. I took a hit on that stuff. I snatched my first wife up out the bed. And we had a big ship of the Mayflower. Wow. Over our oven, over our uh, furnace. Okay. And I snatched her out the bed and said, look, now you tell me you don't see that ship moving. The Mayflower had seemed like it was on water. It was she on said, water. Boy, what you done done in here? You crazy. She let me go. I'm going back to bed. She got to bed. I said, then took me another zap. Same results. The ship moving. Right. She said, listen, you got to go. You uh, something wrong. But the trap was set. It was set. Because the enemy knew that I was out my Ooh, element. You was out your element. You was off your. You was out of your terrain. You see. So now what happens is maybe seven, eight more years go by. Maybe in 2000, no, 1991, 92, I end up catching the case with uh, the sister and one of our own friends, real close friends, uh, Mike. And um, we went to court back and forth, back and forth. And everybody said, "Oh man, he's gonna be all right." But they said, "Tony told." Right. I ain't never told nobody a damn right. my life. I mean, right. You can't find a paper to say I was on anybody's stand. Kill right. that. And I mentioned his name right. in the midst of a conversation with a girl with the other guy that she know is wired all the time. All the time. So that's where this stuff come from. But nevertheless, uh, again, I told you he got 11 and a half to life. I got three to life. She got three to life. But my mother died three days before uh, Easter. 1994, I'll never forget. And my mother wrote me a letter, and I told you the other day, she said in the letter, Tony, you was born on one of the greatest mans that ever lived birthday. You can be like him or greater. My birthday is January the 15th, Martin Luther King Jr. Yes. And that night, I got the letter, it was a weekend. That Monday, my mother was dead. Wow. My nephew, uh, Earl Howard, was a good brother. Good brother called to prison. I spoke to him. He said, Tony, guess what? I said, I already know. My mother did. He said, you know. I said, I just felt it. Mm. And me and him cried a little bit on the phone. Then my counselor came. He even cried. And the phone booth, a real small phone booth, he and I sat there and cried together. That night, the Holy Ghost spoke to me. I don't know about no Holy Ghost. Okay. But something spoke to me. I remember church as a kid, but nothing like this. Now that I've called your mother home, choose you this day. Who you going to serve. Who you will serve. Amen. I smoking cigarettes. I quit smoking marijuana. Everything in prison that was illegal, I quit. And everybody thought I lost my mind because of the death of my mother. I lost my mind and found the mind of Christ. The mind you let go. And I let it go. I said, this game, and I seen it. This is what really took me. We had a reception in Elmira. And the boy came around the guy. He said, your name Tony Brown? Why? Who want to know? Oh, man, you turned my father out. I don't know how to take that either. <laughs> right, right, you know, right, right. I said, so your father would, you know, all the other uh, 
questions. And anyway, he said, uh, no, nah, man, you was good to my father. Yeah, so I'm calmed down now. So I said, brother, how much time you got? He said, 40 to life. 40 to life. And you 17 years old. Not time. even 18, 17 years old. I said, brother, you look around here. You can't see a car. You can't see anything. Only thing you can see from these walls of Elmira is the sky. Mm, yeah. And that's what you're going to look at for the next 40 years. That brother walked away with his head down. And you know, in Elmira, they stack you on top yeah, of Yeah, on top of each other, sardine can. So we keep hearing a sniffling. And people have coke or whatever, they sniff at night or whatever the case may be. But this brother locked under me. And you can hear him crying. crying. You know what happened? Reality, Reality set in. Reality, Reality set, set in. in. I'm 17. And I won't never. even go to the board until I'm 57 years old. Yeah. And that touched me. So as time went on, uh, I got to this other facility, Cape Vincent. That's where I met Pastor Child. Yeah. So me and him began to kick it. And uh, I was the ILC chairman. It made the liaison committee between the, the staff, administration, and all the gangs and stuff. We were able to make some moves and get some things in place in order. So that was the start of my ministry, not even knowing it. Right. So we talked about opening up the ministry, thought about the name. I think it was his brother that came up with the name Back to Basics. And we went from there. I came home. Uh, he came home first. No, I came home first. Uh, I started the program, and Dave Collins, rest in peace, he was the uh, uh, council member yep. of Master District at the time. And that man didn't know me from a can of paint. I told him about the program, he gave me five grand. Right off the rip. Right off the rip. And that's what should be happening today. That's what should be happening today. As God provides. I had the program set up in my house already. And 28 years later, look where we are. Here we are. Because if you recognize, think about all the programs, black programs, yeah. they yeah. shut down. They shut They've down. Done. But back, back to the base is still rolling. And group ministries. And group ministries. And group ministries. Amen. They have sustained all the weather, all the, the, the criminals that we were supposed to be. We were no good. We was just doing this yep. to set something up. But they come to realize this is real. This is real. These is the people we need. Because that's what makes us legends. That's what makes you legend. Because mm -hmm. It takes real people, real life, to mm -hmm. do real things. Real men do real things. Yeah. And you're a product of a real man, and you're a product of a real thing. Because in order to live something, you have to have gone through something. Mm -hmm. In order to go through something, you can tell something. Yeah. So you're able to tell it because you lived it, mm -hmm. and you've been through it, and you're still a survivor. So that's what makes you a real Buffalo kid because you're a real legend. Mm -hmm. You know, your, your, your shoes show where you've been. Mm -hmm. You know, the, 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 the ground that you treaded on show where you've been. And the wisdom that you got stored in your soul and your heart and in your brain and your mind allows us to be educated on where you've been mm -hmm. and to be able to examine you and be able to make decisions based on your experience. So we have to live off of the experiences uh, 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 in the map that you set forward to us. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's one of the benefits of being a legend and being a real Buffalo kid. And this here, like, this is just the beginning of a podcast just to bring some familiarity to where we come from and how mm -hmm. we got here yeah. and what makes us a legend and our yeah. own right because on every ground we should always have a success rate on our side. We serve right. the Lord. Mm -hmm. We gave our life to the Lord and God said, I will never leave you nor would I never forsake you. Nor would I never leave you lonely. 
we won't be lonely because what we want, we we will not be without need, and we will not be without be being replenished. Every day mm-hmm. we're being replenished. When we can tell our story and we can start start from the beginning mm-hmm. to where we are now, we're not ashamed of our past. No, no. You know what I mean? Because it exemplified where we came from and how we got to where we are now. And somebody can take the and say, listen, I watched your story. I watched. Your, I heard your story. I heard this brother's story. And man, I want to be a legend. Mm-hmm. You know, but I want to be a real legend because a real legend holds accountability and has purpose. Absolutely. You know? And the purpose that we have is Christ's purpose. You right. see what I'm saying? Right. And then God God gives us everything that we need. Yeah. You know, he supplies us on all fronts. You know, so that's why we have these kind of uh, 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 conversations because who would know mm-hmm. this is where you came from if they didn't if they didn't hear you? Right. Who would know your story if you don't tell it yourself? Mm-hmm. You know, I always used to say, let me tell my story. Let mm-hmm. me tell it. You know, from the from the highways to the byways, I can give you details and accurate places and, right. and times and names, you know, mm-hmm. and accounts. So, you know, this is how we express ourselves on another level to rise with this growing community, rise with this growing culture, mm-hmm. to stay assembled with them and stay aligned with them because if they don't hear about the... Uh, the values, mm-hmm. you know, we have restorative justice pieces, but like I told at a meeting, I said, if they don't have no value or nothing, then you're not taking nothing from them. Mm-hmm. If they don't have no sense of value or ownership, then there's nothing that they lose. Right. You know, so, you know, these, this type of platform is definitely designed for brothers like yourself and brothers that's coming like Clifford and all these other brothers, Nate Bark and all these guys that mm-hmm. tell their story because they live in legends but they also have something to contribute and deposit back into the young people. There's many ways of following this podcast. You know, there's many ways of um, uh, staying in contact with the link. And one of the links is um, Facebook at 96.5 as Power Station, mm-hmm. Wuffle 1080, mm-hmm. you know, the great Sheila Brown, the queen. Sheila absolutely. Brown, absolutely. I, I definitely commend her for all the work. Shout out, Sheila. Shout out to Sheila for allowing us to be possible. Twitter, Instagram, you know, all on the 96 pages. Uh, you got Twitter, you got Instagram, you got Spotify, you got Google, you got so All this go there? All this go there. It's mm. all on every platform. Radio, mm. public, public radio, as well as, you know, Spotify. Uh, and also follow on, on Tim Newkirk Facebook page, right. GYC Ministries Facebook page also. Mm-hmm. And uh, also we have a Google um, a, a, a website too. So all these platforms... And our many, many different uh, platforms, Back to Basics and, um, you know, uh, uh, 1370 William Street, Pastor James Giles, as you already mentioned, is definitely, you know, he's somebody who's definitely made this possible along with, um, you know, yourself, you know, being mm-hmm. able to come up here and tell your story. Because it takes a lot of it takes a lot of confidence to come here and talk about oh, where yeah. you're coming from and the way you are. Now, most people are ashamed or they mm-hmm. find themselves saying, what, what good is that going to do? Brother. But I'll tell you what that do. Mm-hmm. It does a lot of good because people need to see your work. Yes. Let your light, the Bible says, let your light so shine that what? You're drawn. You're drawn. That's you know? it. Uh, anything that you want to contribute to how uh, this rounded you off and just to take this legendary moment to just sign us out in, in a legendary way because we're on a legendary uh, podcast and we, we're in a legendary studio, Waffle Studio. So it's a legendary. Absolutely. With legends. Mm-hmm. So. Well, you know, in my closing, uh, brothers and sisters, I really just salute to you uh, that's in the so-called game. I understand. I can't come to you and tell you to stop doing this or stop doing that. 
because I don't have nothing to replace it with. But we're working on that. We're working on the uh, mentality of having gainful employment, not just a job, but a career. Okay, so what I want to leave you with is this. Do what you do. Stop killing each other. That's the number one problem. We can't even live. Settle your be I mean, we settled beefs back in the days, in the early 70s, early 80s. You rumble with your opponent. You get up, shake the dust off. You might go right in the bar and have a drink. And it's done. But if you call my sister a B today, and she argue back with you, and say, I'm going to go get my brothers, and you respond, go get them punk MFers. Right. And you don't really mean it in that context, right. but you out of line, sister. Yes. She going to tell brother, this man Frank slapped me. So that was the first thing he do. Make a call. Make a call. Go get his That's, weapon. Yeah. Down Frank for nothing. Right. You understand? Yes. So if we can just stop that, brothers and sisters, we can go a long way because the game going to be the game. I don't care from the 1800s right. to 2022, That's that right. ain't going to stop. So let's recognize that first, that it's not going to stop. We can put a dent in it. We can put a real sharp crease in it, but it's not going to stop. The only way we can even put them creases is by gainfully employ and continue to enlighten our brothers through the ministries that you all have, that we all have, Back to Basics and uh, Peacemakers, GYC Ministries, and so on and so forth. And here's the last piece. The parents. They have to do something. See, because we said work is this. And I want to make this short because we're about done, right? Yes. The mother asks Johnny to go to the store to get some bread. And then says on his way, boy, I wish I ain't got no cigarettes and I ain't got nothing to drink. Well, Johnny comes back with the bread, a 40 bowl, and some cigarettes. Yes. And throw 20 on the table here, Mom. Boy, where you get that money from? I told you can't be standing out after 11. <laughs> That's her drag. Right. And she, she took it. the cigarettes and she takes it. Take it. She hooked right she now. She hooked right now. So he come in at one thirty the next couple of nights. Leniency. And she can't say nothing. Leniency. Yes. yes. Said, because when she says, I'm Johnny, you know I told you. His first words is, I pay for this yeah. stuff. So it, I don't, I don't so, got your voice no more. So opens up a whole right. can that right. I don't have to pay attention to you because I got a family yes. outside of you in the streets that he don't really understand, don't care about. Don't care nothing about, about what he do. Yes. That's the only reason we end. If we go back to the game tomorrow, yeah. everybody will lift us up. They will because of what we bring and what we offer. Absolutely. So the parents have to come into alignment with the children and say no. For God I stand. That's it. For God I die. For God I die. And it has to be that son. I love you that much that I'm willing to die for you. Yes. And they have to pour that And in. go without. And go without. But watch this. God will make a way. He always make a way. Because you have done the right thing and that's what's important. That's what we miss in our community. The parents have to come up and stand up and be parents. And be accountable. Stop being your friends, your daughter's buddy. I understand your daughters can be best of friends, fathers can be best of friends, but then act like it and respect them as such. And then my final piece, the mother will talk about the father like a dog to the kids. 
And the father really came home and caught mama in the bed with somebody else. But she didn't tell him that's the reason daddy left. Right. So the kids hate daddy. We don't understand it. They run into him 20 years later. He just want to talk. Oh, get out of my face. I just want to say something. And when he revealed it to them, the kids begin to cry. And all those years has been gone. But mama lied all the time on daddy. So we got to kill that sister. Stop putting your bad mouth on the brothers. You heard it from the man himself. Downtown Tony Brown turned his life around. And now it's Pastor Anthony Brown. Uh, and you are listening to I Am Legend with your host, Pastor Tim Newkirk. Thank you again for another segment. And again, um, call in, send out your shouts, and definitely subscribe and follow I Am Legend Tim Newkirk.